Welcome back to the Future is Green podcast. In today's episode, we will explore the vitality of vitamins and minerals in the human diet regarding what deficiencies are most common, why to prioritize vitamin and mineral intake through whole foods over supplements, what to look for when shopping for supplements, and how to best enhance your health for optimum results. Vitamins and minerals. Although these two terms are often used interchangeably in common conversation, from a health standpoint, they are distinctly different and each have a unique purpose and place in the body. Both are important micronutrients that are required by the body to function. So first, let's jump right into vitamins. So vitamins are defined as any group of organic compounds that are essential for many metabolic processes such as building and repairing tissues and helping the body process fats and carbs, which ultimately promote normal growth and optimize nutrition. These are obtained from plants and animals, and they can be broken down by heat, air, or acid. So compared to minerals, vitamins are more fragile structures. So vitamins have two classifications. The first we'll talk about include fat-soluble vitamins, which include vitamins A, D, E, and K, And these are vitamins that dissolve in fat, so they can be stored in bodily tissues, for example, adipose tissue, which is a type of fat tissue. And this means that they can remain and accumulate in the body over a period of time. They're absorbed along with dietary fat in the small intestine and require bile acids to be absorbed. So we were saying before that vitamins are affected by acids, so this is a great example here. Next, we have water-soluble vitamins, and this includes vitamins C, B1, B2, B3, B5, B6, B7, B9, and B12. So because these dissolve in water, they are not easily stored in the body. This means that they need to be replenished pretty frequently because they're just constantly being recycled almost throughout the body. And I think it's important to note that vitamins can be synthesized by the body to an extent, We see vitamin D is produced in the body in response to sunlight. And then a few other exceptions, which we'll touch on, include niacin, which is B3. So that's synthesized from tryptophan, which is an essential amino acid. I guess this is actually a tricky one technically because essential amino acids are not produced by the body. So yes, the vitamin can be synthesized from this essential amino acid, but that means that you have to incorporate it through your diet in the first place. So That's a tricky one, but the last one we'll talk about is biotin. Along with vitamin K, those can both be synthesized by the gut microbiome. But besides those few exceptions, vitamins and minerals produced by the body are typically obtained from food intake as the body either doesn't produce them at all or only in very small amounts. And there's ways that we can optimize our intake of fat-soluble and water-soluble vitamins. So eating a variety of foods, uh, this will ensure that you're getting a range of different vitamins, including both fat-soluble and water-soluble. Including sources of fat in your diet is very important because those fat-soluble vitamins we talked about, A, D, E, and K, they require fat to be absorbed. So including healthy sources of fat, such as nuts, seeds, avocado, and olive oil in your diet that can make sure you're not only getting enough of healthy fats, but that you're allowed to absorb those specific vitamins, cooking with those healthy fats, and then limiting processed foods. 
processed foods tend to be low in vitamins and other essential nutrients, so it's important to limit their intake and focus on whole nutrient-dense foods. Lydia, will you talk to us about minerals? Absolutely. Okay, so diving right into minerals, they are defined as a nutrient that is needed in small amounts to keep the body healthy. Sounds pretty basic. They are inorganic elements obtained from soil and water. They are not affected by heat, air, or acid. Mineral nutrients include the elements calcium, magnesium, and iron. Minerals are important for the development and maintenance of strong bones and teeth, nerve function, and muscle function. A greater amount of minerals are needed compared to vitamins. For example, only a small amount of vitamins like C or B12 is needed, while larger amounts of calcium and magnesium are needed. So, while both vitamins and minerals are essential for good health, they differ in their chemical makeup, source, amount needed, function, and stability. So, we're going to talk about common deficiencies There is a very interesting article that we'll link in our show notes. It was titled, Well-Fed but Undernourished, an American Epidemic. So it talks about how Americans are suffering from a variety of nutritional deficiencies that have significant health implications. And this is due to a variety of factors, including the high intake of processed foods, foods, the declining levels of nutrients in our soils when our soils are heavily treated with pesticides, fungicides, herbicides, etc., depleting nutritional quantity and quality there, and then the overall increasing prevalence of chronic health conditions we can tie back. So there's this idea that malnutrition is a rarity in the United States, and that is very much false when you look in terms of health disparities. There are key ties to malnutrition, but when you look at the vast majority calorically, we're exceeding uh, that requirement as a society, but nutritionally, we fall far behind. So in terms of vitamins, based on the most recent National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey, which collected data from 2005 to 2016, it showed that 95% of the U.S. population was deficient in vitamin D, 84% for vitamin E, 46% for vitamin C, 45% for vitamin A, and 15% for zinc. So we're not going to go through all of them, but just to touch on a few, vitamin D, I'm sure we've all heard that it's important, and it's important because it plays a very important role in bone health. It helps the body not only absorb but also use calcium and phosphorus, two minerals that are essential for building and maintaining strong bones. And then we can also tie vitamin D and its association to a decreased risk for chronic diseases like type 2 diabetes, cardiovascular disease, cancer, etc. So the body can produce vitamin D. We talked about that in the beginning a little bit when exposed to sunlight, but this process is limited by factors such as time of day, your geographical location, sunscreen use, skin pigmentation, etc. So for individuals who live in regions with limited sunlight or spend little time outdoors, you may require supplementation, but it's important to just get that conversation going with yourself and or your doctor. And then in terms of minerals, one of the most common mineral deficiencies globally is iron. And iron is a very important mineral that is found in every cell of the body It's needed to create the structure hemoglobin, which is a vital protein in red blood cells that's responsible for carrying oxygen from the lungs to every tissue. 
It's also a very important part of myoglobin, which is a protein found in muscle tissue that stores oxygen and facilitates its transport to the mitochondria for energy production. So in both cases and many more, iron is needed for the efficient transport and delivery of oxygen throughout the body. To note for especially birthing individuals and other individuals experiencing menstruation, pregnancy and heavy menstrual periods can lead to increased iron requirements that can make it more challenging for the body to maintain adequate iron levels. If you think about the bleeding that is associated with both of those two and any other conditions, so it's important if you fall in that category to reassess your iron intake with your doctor. Going off of that same wave, there is a lot to know and note about the requirements um, legally talking about food and the amount of vitamins and minerals that are found in a food via nutrition labeling. So, Nutrition Labeling Education Act in 1990 was passed in order for consumers to have access to accurate information about the foods they were purchasing and consuming. This federal law was passed in 1990 and required most packaged foods to have accurate nutrition labeling. Serving size, number of servings per container, the amount of various nutrients including calories, fat, cholesterol, sodium, carbohydrates, fiber, sugars, and protein were all required to be noted. Percentages in daily value, which helps consumers better understand how their chosen food fits into their diet, was a key takeaway. And reading nutrition labels is still something that is important today, especially like Ireland said, we are undernourished but overfed. So looking at what you're eating in a non-restrictive but informative way is really going to be key when trying to optimize your health in terms of getting the proper nutrients, vitamins, and minerals in through your food intake and not having to rely onto a supplement form. I can't even imagine grocery shopping or just seeing food products without a label. Because 1990, I know it was not in our lifetime, but that was not that long ago. And it's kind of crazy to think that for the majority of at least our parents' lives, they lived without food labels. No, absolutely. That's totally wild. And I guess it really kind of does make sense why there's such a generational gap between understanding the value of your food and value in terms of, you know, I'm talking nutritional value, as well as I would say a gap in what healthy eating looks like, what a well-balanced meal looks like. I know this is taking it a little bit further back than 1990, but my mom used to joke around saying that when she was a child, like her parents and grandparents would always kind of push this whole clean plate club rule for kids at the dinner table. But that's something that she never did with my sister and I just because she wanted to teach eating in terms of listening to your body. If you're full, you're full. You eat what you can, call it a day, have a well-balanced meal, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So I think there's just a lot of generational gaps in what healthy eating looks like and what a balanced meal looks like. And in terms of getting that food intake um, balanced might be reflective of the fact that there was such a long amount of time where nutrition was kind of a question mark on your foods. And I think people believed brands, maybe not, but I think that's my take on it. I feel like today there's a lot more distrust towards a lot of these big brands than it used to be. They were everyone's favorite. It was America's favorite brand, etc., and now the tables are turning with this new generation that is reading labels and better understanding, perhaps, just because it's all that we've ever known. We've never seen food without a label, so we're inclined, or perhaps some of us are inclined to read it. 
No, absolutely. And I think there's so much, I mean, obviously we know this, um, marketing that goes into our food and a lot of nostalgia that is, I think, preyed on by the media. So trying to play into your emotions, trying to play into those childhood memories or fond moments and experiences, holidays, whatever it may be to get people to ignore the nutrition facts and, you know, dive into the feelings part of it. But you have to look look past that, look at the nutrition, get your facts straight and live a balanced 80-20 life. Always. And to jump back into that Nutritional and Labeling Education Act, it was updated in 2016 to reflect some new scientific evidence and just make it more user-friendly. So they, for example, made the calories bigger and they bolded that. They also updated serving sizes to reflect realistic portions that people actually eat versus what they quote-unquote should eat according to dietary guidelines. So for example – Ice cream used to be a half a cup. That was the serving size. But they found that the average actually consumed amount of ice cream was around two-thirds of a cup. So they updated that among with many other foods. They also added a section where it says added sugar. So this helps differentiate between natural and processed sugars. And then they made vitamins D, calcium, iron, and potassium required based off of some of those deficiencies we were talking about. So they are trying to, I think, empower individuals, but it's up to us to take that knowledge, whether we want to or not. Incorporating vitamins and minerals through food intake versus supplement form is something that we briefly touched on a little bit earlier in the episode, but we're going to come back to it and get a little bit more information out. So food intake is the preferred method of consuming vitamins and minerals. Vitamins and minerals will be better than supplement form simply because it is the most natural form that you could possibly get. Foods contain a variety of nutrients, including vitamins and minerals that work together to provide optimal health benefits while supplements are very isolated and lack the additional health benefits that come from consuming whole foods. There are many factors to consider when looking at food intake versus supplement form, vitamin and mineral consumption. So first, safety. Safety is always our top priority in this sense. Foods are generally considered safe and consuming too much of a particular nutrient is less of a concern than it is with supplements. In contrast, taking a high-dose supplement can sometimes lead to toxicity in the body, particularly for fat-soluble vitamins like vitamin A, which can build up in the body over time and cause some problems. The second factor is lifestyle factors. For many people, consuming vitamins and minerals through whole foods is a more sustainable and enjoyable way to get your daily nutrients. Eating a variety of whole foods can also provide other health benefits beyond just what vitamins and minerals, such as fiber, antioxidants, and photochemicals. Another factor to consider is cost. Consuming vitamins and minerals through whole foods can be more cost-effective than taking supplements, particularly if you choose less expensive whole foods that are rich in nutrients. I think this is really one point that we want to drive home. I think it's a really common misconception that eating healthy is expensive and it doesn't have to be. You don't have to shop, you know, all organic all the time. You don't have to buy crazy expensive supplements. Choosing whole fresh foods, fruits, vegetables, lean meats and proteins over deep fried processed snack foods is always going to be way. And honestly, if you're purchasing by weight, single serving, buying an apple at the store, one singular apple 
is always going to be cheaper than buying a pack of fruit snacks or a candy bar. If you live somewhere where there's a farmer's market nearby, definitely check that out. To go off the cost point, I personally have found them to be incredibly cost-effective and it's also fresh local produce, so it doesn't get better than that. To go on a few more factors of why we think that food intake is superior to supplement form, nutrient synergy. So foods contain a complex mix of nutrients that work together in a synergistic way. And that interaction between nutrients is not fully understood, but we do know that supplements contain, like Lydia was saying, these isolated vitamins and minerals, which may not interact with each other in the same way as they do in whole foods. And then bioavailability. Whole foods contain a range of nutrients in a form that is easily absorbed and utilized by the body. In contrast, supplements may not be as well absorbed or utilized by the body, particularly if they're in a form that is not well tolerated or well absorbed. So just to give an example of whole food over supplement form, kale. Kale is a phenomenal food. And it is an example of a whole food that is rich in vitamins and minerals. It's considered by many as a superfood because it has such a high nutritional content and it's a good source of many essential vitamins and minerals. So one cup of kale provides 100% of the daily value for vitamin C, which we know is an important antioxidant that can help support immune function, skin health, and wound healing. One cup of kale again provides over 600% of the daily value for vitamin K, which plays a role in blood clotting and bone health. Vitamin A is also found in kale, which is super important for vision, immune function, skin health. Kale has iron. We were talking about it's important for the transport of oxygen. Kale is also a good source of calcium, which is important for bone health, as we were talking about. So in addition to vitamins and minerals, kale also contains other beneficial compounds like antioxidants and fibers, which can support overall health. So consuming kale in its whole food form, such as in salads, stir fries, smoothies, it's generally considered to be more beneficial to incorporate it into the diet that way as opposed to taking a kale supplement. This allows the body to absorb that full range of nutrients and beneficial compounds. And we see this with so many whole foods. When they're in supplement form, they're often stripped of really important factors like fiber, we were saying, etc. So that's just one. Although people may not love it, there's definitely fruit and veggies out there I think people can learn to like or perhaps they already have a favorite one. But whole foods over supplement form when you can, it's the best way to get those vitamins and minerals in. I love the kale deep dive. So while supplements can be useful for certain individuals, such as those with specific nutrient deficiencies or certain medical conditions, it is generally recommended to prioritize whole foods as the primary source of vitamins and minerals for most people. So when shopping for whole foods as well as supplements, we really need to be mindful of not only what the nutrition label says in terms of nutritional benefits and, you know, facts, so daily percentages of nutrients, but at ingredients. So just like you would when grocery shopping, look at supplement labels. Not all are created equally and quality can vary drastically from brand to brand. Fillers and additives to extend a product shelf life are great for sales, but not so wonderful for your body. So be mindful about what you are buying and how it is able to be used and stored. 
when you're purchasing supplements, you should make sure to avoid the following. Fillers, additives, artificial colors and or flavoring, sugar, which has some secretive names. They're very sneaky. They kind of sound like they could be healthy depending on, you know, how it's worded. So some of these include glucose syrup, brown rice syrup, etc. Um, any herb or ingredient you are allergic to, obviously, and of course, illegal drugs dependent on your location. Keep in mind local laws and regulations. A fig favorite to identify fillers, additives, just these nasty ingredients and chemicals that should not be in our food, but they are for some reason. So if you're interested in finding those, and again, 80-20, do with this what you will. But if you are interested, a fig favorite app is called the Yuka app, Y-U-K-A, and we'll put a link to that in our show notes. And this app is awesome. It just scans the barcode of any product and it will give it a score based on the contents of it. It will also highlight hazardous ingredients. And I always think about how good cars take good gas. And you want to be putting good things into your body. Our food is energy and the fuel quite literally we run off of. And you don't have to be crazy about this, but I think it's good to be aware and at least that will help you make an informed decision one way or another. So, of course, want to get to the main part. Why is this important? Why does this matter? So, your body requires some raw materials. These include at least 30 vitamins, minerals, and dietary components that your body needs but cannot manufacture on its own insufficient amounts. Vitamins and minerals, as we talked about earlier, are considered essential nutrients. They help to protect and make strong bones, heal wounds, and bolster your immune system. They also convert food into energy and repair cellular damage. Micronutrients with a big role in the body are vitamins and minerals that are also called micronutrients because your body needs them only in tiny amounts, yet failing to get even those small quantities virtually guarantees disease. Some examples of these include scurvy, which is the old time sailors learned that living for months without fresh fruits or vegetables, the main source of vitamin C, causes bleeding gums and listlessness of scurvy. Blindness in some developing countries, people can become blind from a vitamin A deficiency. Rickets, a deficiency in vitamin D can cause rickets, a condition marked by soft, weak bones that can lead to skeletal deformities such as bowed legs. Just as a lack of key micronutrients can cause substantial harm to your body, getting sufficient quantities can provide a substantial benefit. Examples of these include strong bones, a combination of calcium, vitamin D, vitamin K, magnesium, and phosphorus protect your bones against fractures. Preventing birth defects. Taking folic acid supplements early in pregnancy helps prevent brain and spinal birth defects in offspring. Lastly, healthy teeth. The mineral fluoride not only helps bone formation, but also keeps dental cavities from starting or worsening. As you can see, whole foods over supplements is definitely the preferred method for obtaining the vitamins and minerals in micro and macro quantities that we just discussed for preventing unwanted diseases and getting the positive health benefits from the consumption of them. Well, they say third time is the charm. This is actually the the third time we're attempting to record this episode, and I think it went swimmingly. I think we absolutely are vitamin and mineral pros at this point, so if anyone has any remaining questions, feel free to DM us. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope that this was a helpful episode. (laughs) 